We can't say that we're surprised that this went down the way it did, but it's still a little bit disappointing. This is Snow the Goalie. I'm Russell Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by Flyers beat writer extraordinaire for CrossingBroad.com, Anthony Sanfilippo at Ant San Philly. Anthony, I'm um I'm a little bit torn up. I'm a little bit torn on uh, the way that this all kind of unfolded, and I still am weeping bitter tears after watching Ivan Provorov cry on the bench and in the locker room. <laughs> he's a kid. He's a kid in a lot of ways. He still is. Like I have a kid that's older than him, and and I see my kid get frustrated and, and like near tears when he fails at something. So I, you know, I get it. You know, it's he's young. It's it is what it is. But look, Ivan Provorov. As great of a story as he and Sean Couturier were in Game Six, um, they really were the the only good story that the the Flyers had. Uh, Again, it it was an epic Flyers fail to be up four two in Game Six and to blow the lead by allowing a twenty three year old young you know young player on the on the penguins score four consecutive goal four consecutive goals um and give up eight goals again in the, in an elimination game in the playoffs it was just it it was almost like this season was meant to end that way and that's what it did and you know i know flyers fans were were pretty salty you got people screaming to take the c off of Giroux and um you know fire the coach and blow up everything and you know, I get it. I get the emotion of it. But in the end, what did you expect? We nailed this, Russ. We nailed the prediction on this series. We said it was a six-game series yep. and Pittsburgh was going to win. And I mean, granted, we didn't think they were going to be all these big blowouts and high-scoring games. But, we, you know, we thought this, the Flyers just weren't on that level. And that's the thing that bothers me, I think, the most about where they are right now is that even if they do get a little bit better next year, they're still not going to be this. They're still not going to be Pittsburgh. So that's like to me, they're still. It's it's like waiting. It's like waiting for the best team to kind of have their run end, and then you can maybe compete. I mean, that's kind of where they're at, and that's that's sad. <laughs> it's disappointing. Yeah, it, it just kind of brings you back down, brings everything back down to earth, and. You know, you look at some of the other teams that are in the playoffs right now, and uh, it was popping up in our Slack. I think it was Phil said in Slack, you know, you, you look at this Flyers team and then you compare them even to the Maple Leafs who also have, you know, a good young core, and you just realize that you're nowhere close. And it's funny, like, the, the way that Flyers fans reacted to this series, I think is quintessential Flyers fans. Um, you know, it, it went from the highest of high to lowest of low. Everybody, you know, at one point saying trade Giroux to, oh, my God, did you see Giroux finally got on the score sheet? Oh, my God, this team is young. This team is exciting. This team can actually win. Oh, my God, they're going to they're gonna win game six. We're going to go to game seven. And, you know, they always play well in, uh, in Pittsburgh. They might actually do it. They're going to do it. And then, like, fast forward two hours. Trade Giroux, trade Voracek, kill Simmons, kill Brian Elliott, destroy Michael Neuverth. Like, what? Hold on, guys. Everybody breathe. Take a moment. Uh, it was funny because like um, people that I don't really interact with on Facebook anymore that I went to high school with, uh, I couldn't help but you know kind of check out their their thoughts, especially after the last episode where we went into random Facebook groups and pulled up flyers comments. And one of my favorite things that I saw in the aftermath was somebody saying trade Claude Giroux because he hasn't done anything and he's getting worse. <laughs> and I went, Yo, dude. Um, 
I, 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 I hate to bring this up. Um, you know, I, I hate to bring some hashtag truth, hashtag real facts to the conversation here, but he was second in the league in scoring in 102 points. He and, he and Jake Voracek, who you also want to trade, set career highs for points in a season. They were second and 15th in the league. Sean Couturier, who you're saying should be the captain, uh, was 27th in the league in points, which was awesome for him. But, like, I, I don't get it. And it's it's funny. It's like the, near, the knee-jerk reactions that people have, I expect. But, like, I, I think it was last week we read somebody's comment where they said, give Couturier the C, give Patrick and Provorov the A's, and, like, let's go do this thing. And it's it doesn't work. Like, the, the idea of giving another young guy the C, like stripping it off of Giroux, first of all, is nonsensical. The idea that you're going to be able to trade him, I think, is also hilarious. Like, let's let's just get this out of the way really quick. If the Flyers want to trade Claude Giroux, he's got a no-movement clause, right? The only way that, that I can see them making a deal is if they feel like they're getting anywhere near his value, and you're, you're not going to be able to go out and replace the second-leading scorer in the NHL. Like, Anthony, if you had to do it right now, which I'm not saying you want to, but like, what would fair value in your mind be in a Claude Giroux trade? Let's just get it out of the way. Jeez, I mean, coming off this season, a lot. I mean, you'd probably have to get a um, a, a legitimate top six forward back in return, or a top pair defenseman, um, a draft pick of some kind, and and probably a prospect. I mean, like that's the like that's kind of what you're looking at, you know. If you were to trade Giroux, and I'm not even certain that's that's enough. You know, I I wouldn't trade him. And and this is the guy who remember I I think I told you on one of the episodes earlier that um, I, I a couple years ago when the Flyers were really scuffling thought that it might not be a bad idea to consider it. Um, and that, but that, but not now. I mean, I wouldn't do it now. I think that you know he's bounced back. He's had a hundred two point season. He's the you know a bona fide star in this league. You can't you can't trade him. If you trade Giroux, you're you're setting yourself back even further. I mean, you you have to kind of build around him and Voracek now. You know, he's thirty. Voracek's twenty nine or twenty yeah twenty eight and. This is the time to do it. I mean, you got you, you have like a window here, maybe three years, three four years tops, before they really start to fall off the table. Um, they did a nice job of of getting him on the wing to kind of protect him a little bit and keep him healthy. I mean, think about it. Giroux played the whole eighty two game season, didn't really have any injuries, um, was able and and you know looked like he was a healthy player for much of the season. And it's mostly because they took away the center ice responsibility from him that he didn't have to skate as much and put put as much. Um, uh, pressure on himself there, so it it became a a, a much simpler um, responsibility. So I th- I think that they've figured out a way to extend his career. Now you got to go out and you got to get. This is the time for Ron Hextall as general manager. You got to build around him right now. You can't you can't wait another year. Oh, let's see how these kids look. Blah, blah. No, this has to be done now. You have to go get what you need. If you don't have it in house, you have to go get what you need and make this team a, a more competitive team for 2018-2019. So let me play devil's advocate. Yeah. I feel like so much of the uh, the thing that we're used to in Philly, especially with this Flyers team since the uh, salary cap was, was instituted, is the idea of kicking the can down the, down the road. Mm-hmm. And it felt like at one point Mike Richards and Jeff Carter were the core. They were the guys to build around, and we would have made the case that they were young enough that the team 
should have done whatever they could to build around them, not to trade them away. There is certainly a large enough segment of Flyers fans, whether they are you know everyday fans or they're casual fans who happen to go to the games, pay the exorbitant fees to get into games, pay the concessions, pay the parking, who believe that it's time to move on from Giroux and Voracek. Now, we've already said, and you've, you've mentioned that you think Wayne Simmons, there's a decent chance that he gets traded. Um, and I think a lot of times people have kind of um, you know, bundled Voracek, Simmons, and when Braden Shen was here all together, um, and Couturier because they were part of the Richards and Carter deals. At what point does the front office look at this and say, you know what, like we're, we're still two years away. Carter Hart's two years away. We might think that like a Philip Myers or a um, Sam or a Moran might be, you know, ready-ish to go within another year or two. If we know that this this deep prospect pool, you know, give Oscar Lindblom another year or two as a top six forward and really go for broke in two years, that's clearly past when Giroux and Voracek, I think, are going to be, well, especially Giroux, maybe not as much Voracek, are going to be past the prime of their career. Well, and it's well, what, do you, what do you say? What do you say to those people? Because I I don't want to see them break up this core. And I know that it. You know, Kyle said on Crossing Broadcast on Monday, in what was one of the most painful arguments I've been involved in in a while, that you know the he he made the argument that Giroux and Voracek are not good enough. They're not good enough to be the uh, core, which I I just straight up disagree with I, for I, for I, I many reasons. But I, I disagree too. Uh, you know, I, no, I, I I do wonder, like. If if you kick the can down the road and you can get decent enough value for Giroux and Voracek, it's not going to be fair value. But if you can get decent value for them and really say that you're going to go for broke in two years, is it doing the fans a disservice? I, you can't, I don't think you can do it. Because I think, we, I think where we're at here, Russ, is if we sit here and continue to remain patient with these guys and you look at you know the guys you mentioned, the, the young players that are coming up, you know, the defense on Myers and Marin, um, and then uh, the forwards. You got Morgan Frost, who was you know led the OHL in scoring, and you got um, uh, uh, Hermann Ruptsov, um, the Russian kid that they drafted in the first round a couple years ago, and you know Nick Albe Kubel, who had a real nice season for the Phantoms, is probably a future third line center. Um, so I mean, you got a bunch of young kids, and of course Carter Hart, um, a couple years away. But even if they are, let's say, two, all a lot of these guys are two years away. Let's just say for 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 kicks. Even if they get there in two years, it's not like they're going to come in and suddenly you have a Stanley Cup team. It's going to take them, you know, another at least a year to find their footing, maybe two years to really kind of get, especially defensemen. We, I mean, you saw it this year, you know, uh, with a guy like Sanheim. It, it takes a little bit of time to really kind of become a, an NHL quality defenseman. I mean, even Gostaspare, who's in his third year is still making stupid mistakes defensively because it just the way it's just the way the game is. I I don't know how else to explain it but it's just it's just part of the the fabric of hockey. So even if they're ready to be in the in the NHL in 2 years, it doesn't mean that they're going to be ready to go to the point where you can say all right now we're now we're contending for a cup. That's why I think Hextall's plan is a little bit flawed. I think though he can rectify that by making a splash this summer, if that means trading a player to create. I mean, they already have some cap space, right? But even if you let's say you can find a way to trade a Wayne Simmons, or maybe you you can you know bring in a you know let's say you know John Tavares decides to become a free agent, or Eric Carlson becomes a free agent. Now you're talking about bringing in a big name player who will immediately make your team better. And if you do that, 
then you can, you can backfill at that point because you have so much talent. I mean, I mean, if we look at what the Penguins have, right? I mean, really, are, are those fourth-line guys really that good? No, they're not. Even their third-line guys aren't the greatest. They're, they're just okay. I mean, they're okay players. So you can, you can backfill if you have enough in the top two lines. You need two really strong scoring lines in the NHL to be a, to be a really good team. And the Flyers don't have that right now. They're close. They're getting there. I mean, Nolan Patrick still has to t- – I mean, he had a real nice second half of the season. I thought he had a real nice series against the Penguins. He's still not finishing enough in my mind. I think he needs to take that next step. I think he will. I think he'll be a very good player. Um, but they need that to happen. It would be nice if it happened early next year. Might not. It might take a little bit of time next year. Then you're looking at Nolan really being two years away from being the player you need him to be. They're hoping it's next year. But whatever the case, okay, fine. Um, you know, but then you need to fill in around him too. Um, you know, connect, I like connect me on the, on the top line, and then you got Voracek and Patrick. So you need like another winger, and they need a third center. So I like to me, those are the two things that they really need more than anything else. They need a second line winger, and I know a lot of people like Lindblom to be there eventually, but he's not there yet. You know what I'm saying? Like he could be that guy. But he's not there yet, and I'm I'm okay with playing him on your third line until he becomes that. I mean, Sean Couturier was a third line center for five years. Now he's your number one center. Okay, so it takes time. So it's okay for Oscar Lindblom to be a third line winger. So they need a second line winger and a third line center. You go out and get those two things this summer, with and really fill those needs. That's solid. Now on the defensive side of things. You need another guy who is reliable defensively. Brandon Manning's not that guy. <laughs> God, if he comes back, I'm telling you, I might, I might break a window in my house. Can that, we, uh, can we beg the NHL to have another expansion team? Can we have an expansion draft for <laughs> Seattle? One. I know. And do just it, send, do it right just now. like send him on his way. Well, he is, he's unrestricted, so I mean, he may not be back. Oh, he's coming back. You know it. I know it. it Dave Hextall knows it. It would be unbelievable. Ron Hextall fears it. But if you look at what they have, I mean, a lot of who's on defense right now yeah, is going to be here next year. I mean, really, yeah, unless, they, um, unless they trade somebody, Russ. I mean, um, Provorov obviously is not going anywhere. Agostas Bear is obviously not going anywhere. Um, Andrew McDonald is still signed. Um, For two more years. <laughs> two more years. I'm looking, at their, I'm looking at their cap situation right now. So going into next season, McDonald's going to cost you $5 million against the cap. Agostas Bear is four and a half. Gudis. Gudis is uh, $3.3 million for the next two years. Yeah. Provorov is making under 900000 as is Sanheim. Uh, and they're going yeah, to have to pay Provorov. I mean, it's, it's coming. I mean, yeah. that's the, the, he's going to get a contract. I mean, that's... Yeah, he I, hits restricted free agency in, what, 1920, yeah, as so, does Sanheim. So, so yeah, but, well, but Sanheim, you probably aren't going to have to pay as much as you are going to have to pay Provorov. Yeah. That's the difference. Um, but... Uh, I'm just yeah. trying to figure out where, so, so where f- the money's going to come from. Well, the money's you know. the money's there. I mean, if you look at if you scroll down, I, mean, I don't know what website you're using. I go to capfriendly.com. I use Spotrack or Spotrack. Yeah, no, capfriendly.com is is I'll go really to cap the, friendly. Okay. Yeah, capfriendly is a good spot to go, right? So if you look at what where they are at for the 2018-19 season, um, th- th- right now they have a projected cap space of 17.2 million dollars. Now. That's based on an upper limit of seventy-five million, the cap, a salary cap of seventy-five million. There's a lot of talk in the NHL that it's going to go up to eighty. Okay. Whoa. All right. It's going to go up five million dollars. 
So good. okay, that would put the Flyers at like twenty two point two of in in cap space. Um, you assume they better buy out Yuri Laterra. Okay, that last year. So half of that contract comes off. So it'll be another two point four million. The Flyers are going to have twenty five million dollars in cap space coming into going into next year. So they have room. I mean, the one thing I'll give Hextall a lot of credit for is he's put them in a good salary cap position moving forward. And I, my, my concern, though, is is that he's really not looking at next year but more than 1920 because that's when he's got even more cap space. I mean, currently there's he's got $38 million in cap space. So probably, you know, obviously a couple of people are going to get signed between now and then. But, I mean, plus if the, the cap goes up, you're looking at $40 million. And the only people that are on the books – for the 1920 season, or Drew Vorchek, Couturier, Dale Weiss, unfortunately. Yeah, Dale <laughs> um, Weiss. Hey there, fella. We didn't forget about you. Nolan Patrick, Andrew McDonald, Shane Gosses Bear, uh, and Radko Gudis. That's all that's on the books for 1920. Thank so, God we have Radko Gudis for another year. That's really exciting. Two I'm, years. I'm looking. Two years. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, whose MCL he tears next. Two two years of uh, Radko Gudis still on the books. So, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a silver lining in this uh, in this storm of a, an elimination. <laughs> at least yeah. we can look at Radko Gudis. That's, no, I mean, if you look at some exciting. of the... I, I feel bad. I, I want to just get this out of the way. I'm going to miss Wayne Simmons. And I, I do... I, I mean, it's, I, I it's, think, I think it's you're right. It's not definite. It's no, not but a definite I, that he's gone. But I, I it's think either it's gonna be, like I don't, I don't think they're going to re-sign him. Uh, in 1920. So if, if nothing else, like this is either going to be the year he gets traded or his last year of a deal. Um, he's still relatively young at 29. He's certainly not going to go break the bank in free agency, but I could definitely see younger teams wanting to bring him in as a, a legitimate veteran leader, top power play unit kind of guy to crash the net and such. And it's, it, it feels like the kind of an end of an era with him. Now, the interesting thing will be, like, as the injury news starts to come out, there was a report today that he had been playing with a groin pull and a pin in his hand, uh, which you have to think affected his his play. We said all year it looked like he was playing hurt. Um, people who've, who've covered the team, obviously you, have said that he looked like he was playing at, you know, what, 60%, sometimes 70%. He never looked like he was, you know, cracking in at 100% or even close to, like, 85%. I will say, though, in Game 6, if nothing else... I was impressed by his energy. I was impressed with him in the first period. I thought he looked lively, and I thought he looked kind of like the Wayne Simmons of old. And when they, there were a few times there where uh, I think no, both Nolan Patrick and Simmons were out on the ice together, and it it made me happy. It made me think of the Bash Brothers in uh, the Mighty Ducks movies, where it's like <laughs> you've got you've got two legitimate big dudes that can crash the net at any point, and it kind of gave me hope for what a power play unit could look like next year. Um, but again, you know, whether Wayne is here or he's not, he's been a very popular player on this team. He's a, he's a guy that a lot of the fans identify with. And, you know, I, I really would feel bad out of all the guys to, you know, potentially go via trade. I, I could see him maybe going on a, like a, a, a draft aid kind of deal. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be the, um, probably whatever the, the right value is for him. That's, that's the problem that, you know, so with Jeroen Voracek, but like, a lot of these guys, like I, th- I think, you know, they might look to cut bait. He's not counting all that much against your cap for the next year. But, you know, if, if you for some reason decide you want to trade him or you feel like you need to trade him in order to 
free up more cap space if you're really going to pursue a top tier free agent or two. Um, you know, I, I just don't know what you're going to get for him, and it it certainly won't feel fill that void that we'll be feeling in our hearts well, for Wayne. Yeah, and, I, and and the reason I think that he's he's going to be moved is so you usually carry 13 forwards on your roster, right? 12 who are going to play, and then your extra forward. Okay, sometimes you have two extra forwards. Usually later in the year, but probably at the beginning of the year, you'll, you usually have one. Um, they have 11 guys currently under contract for next year at forward. Now, like I, I like I said, I believe Laterra is going to get bought out, so that'll put you at at 10, which means you're you're just going to be three guys um, who come into the mix here to to compete for a, you know a, a spot on this on this roster. Um, and if you look down in the in the minors, Morgan Frost is not going to come right from junior to the NHL, so he's got to go play in the A. Same thing with uh, Hermann Rubtoff, same thing. So Lindblom will probably be one of them. Um, I think uh, Nicholas Abe Kubel uh, is going to be another. So there's two. So they really are only look. You're really only looking at having room for one forward that you're going to bring in here. So that's why I'm saying to you that one one forward. Either you have to bring in one stud forward, or you move somebody like Simmons, get some value for him, and then you fill two spots uh, with guys. And so that's that's the other thing. And I keep forgetting about Taylor Lear, who's a restricted free agent. But they, I, I'm pretty certain they'll re-sign him for next year too. So what are they going to so do with, the with uh, Mike Vecchione? You know what? He disappointed. He's got, he's, a, a he's like bit. the weirdest, yeah. the weirdest case of uh, a guy that was highly pursued by a lot of clubs yeah. coming out of college, and he was buried in the minors all year. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing. I mean, he's already I mean, he's 20, 25. Yeah, so. he's already 25 years old. Um, he didn't have that great of a year. I mean, he was okay in the minors. You know, he had 40 points in 65 games in the minors. Um, he's got a goal and an assist through the first two playoff games for the Phantoms, too. So, uh, whatever. Wow, I mean, but he's I going on the uh, the Claude Giroux uh, playoff <laughs> stat line there, huh? Good yeah, for him. Uh, but I, from, what I, from what I was able to glean from talking to people down at the Flyers is – he wasn't quite what they had hoped he would be. Like they, he didn't develop as quickly as they had hoped. Um, is it possible that he becomes like that 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 tweener guy who bounces back and forth sometimes next year? I, yeah, I think that's probably where he ends up being. You know, he's when he comes up, he plays some fourth line, and then he gets bounced back down. You know, that's kind of what I think they'll they'll end up doing with Vecchioni. So I, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't think they're all too too high on him ultimately moving forward if you had your your pick of of one guy to pursue in free agency who's the guy is it Tavares no it'd be Carlson okay <laughs> I mean I think he's the best defenseman in hockey right I really do um he's he's that much of a game changer um and yes the Flyers need scoring but they also need defense now Carlson is signed for next year so you want he's not a free agent so I kind of cheated you a little bit there um, so you would have to trade for Eric Carlson. But I think that's going to happen because I think Ottawa is in such a situation right now where they need to kind of really rebuild. And Carlson's a UFA after next season, so they want to get something for him. And I think his max value is in the summer. That way he doesn't get hurt or, you know, it's like, oh, well, well someone's only trading for him for 30 games and then, you know, then he's an unrestricted free agent again. I think max value for him is this summer. So I think Carlson is a real possibility to to be acquired. 
Um, and I know the I know the Senators are stockpiling draft picks like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they, I think they have two extra picks next year. I think they have two extra picks the year after that, and they have an extra pick the year after that. So I think they're like they're they're really trying to you know restock the system and start over up there. Um, so I think that it, there's a possibility there that you, that you can get a, a player like Carlson if he's available. Now the Islanders, when you when you talk about Tavares, it's, it's kind of a similar situation um, with him. I, I, you know, he has said all along that he wants to stay there. Now uh, they missed the playoffs again this year. They're not a great team. Um, but you know, they're another team that has extra picks as well, you know, coming up. So maybe he looks at it and says, you know, I'll re-sign with, with the Islanders. I mean, he, he is an actual UFA. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, he's not like you got to trade for him. He's an actual UFA, but the Islanders do have negotiating rights with him through, uh, the end of June. So, I mean, he could re-sign there and then you're, then he's out. But if not, I mean, you know, I, I think that there's a, a real possibility um, of of uh, of him being a guy that you might be interested in if you can't go get Carlson. All right, I'm so gonna, I, but I'm going to throw one other name at you. Okay, this is going to be interesting. This better not be the one that I was going to throw at you. I I doubt it. it <laughs> I doubt it is. What Rob. position does he play? Defense. Okay, that's not where I was going to go. Okay. Oh, see. please tell me Zidane Ochara. No, 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 uh, no. Can so, you just imagine? So there is a free agent, young free agent. There's not a lot of young free agents in the NHL anymore because of the way things are structured. But he's a, there's a young free agent, UFA, same team as John Tavares, coming from the Islanders, was hurt most of the entire year, but is a real nice player and I think would slot in as a good second-pair guy. His name is Calvin Dahan. Okay? okay. I think that he, he is a guy that if I'm the Flyers, I would look to go get Calvin DeHaan, and then you can sit there and say, okay, that helps defense. If you can't trade for Carlson, and you very well may not be able to, um, if you then have to go the next tier, I think DeHaan coming off the injury, assuming he's healthy, is a real nice piece that you can get probably affordable. I think his um, salary was in the 3.2, I forget what it was, 3.2 range. Um this year and he had a whole year he missed a whole year so he's probably not going to be much of an increase in salary so that slots in real nicely with what you the kind of cap space you have and i think it gives you a, a legitimate guy who can be on that second group and you don't have to really worry about you know killing provorov every game i think that if you do that and you tell john Tavares, hey we're bringing your buddy calvin dehan as well Maybe that's a nice little combination of the two that you can bring in and 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 make the Flyers a, a a real legitimate team next year. All right, let me throw two names out, guys that guys that I wouldn't be totally opposed to them going after. Now, I think one is obviously going to be on a short term deal because he's older, and one could potentially cost you more than you're willing to spend, um, given his his kind of unproven track record. First one is Evander Kane who I, I've always kind of been enamored with. He's only 26, had a great year in, in 16, 17. Um, I, I feel like at some point he's got to, you know, he's got to move on. A nice change of scenery to the, to the Eastern Conference could benefit him. He's a guy that kind of fits within their timeline. He's somebody who could be part of that transitional group 
in this uh, Giroux and Voracek core, leading on to like the Nolan Patrick, Travis Konechny, Provorov, Sanheim, and, and Gossesbear core. So I think age-wise, he fits in. Salary cap hit-wise, he, he might cost you more than you would want. The other guy who I would I would be all in on for two years, especially if you know if we're going with the idea that you said before of you've got to surround Vor or you have to surround Voracek and Giroux and these guys with legitimate talent, top six talent. I'd be fine on a big hit, a big salary cat hit number for two years to bring uh, Ilya Kovalchuk back. Now he's thirty five. He has uh, walked out on a on a team in the Eastern Conference before. He's walked away from a ton of guaranteed money, and there's no guarantee that he'll leave the KHL to come back. But if I'm looking at somebody who I think could be a legitimate difference maker um, in, in this Eastern Conference race, it certainly doesn't put you on par with a Pittsburgh, but it certainly makes you a, a more lethal team. It gives you another added weapon into you know a top six rotation, and you know, if something goes sideways and Dave Hackstall, who I'm assuming is going to be the coach again next year, you know, has to shuffle lines, I think he would much rather have a guy like Kovalchuk to play with than, you know, having to put, like, Val Philpola up on the first line uh, and, you know, convert a, a center out to wing like they did with uh, Lawton in the in the postseason. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on Kane or Kovalchuk? I'm going to skip JVR because my heart can't handle it. <laughs> um... So Evander Kane is is an interesting guy because he's really really talented, right? But everywhere he's been, he's been a, a difficult player to assimilate into the, the culture of the team. He was a problem in Winnipeg. He was a problem in Buffalo. I mean, he's not really been a problem with San Jose, but he's only really been there for you know what a month and a half, and he's really just kind of plugged into the. Um, into the playoff race there and into the lineup there, so it's really kind of hard to say. But um, I know the Flyers had interest in him. I know that they were talking to Buffalo briefly, just kind of kicking the tires there. I know that they've always kind of, when he was with Winnipeg, there was a there was um, belief that they had interest in him then as well. Um, but I, I I don't know. I think if the Flyers had their druthers, they probably won't go down that path. Um, but you're not wrong. I mean, he would he help? You absolutely would help. He absolutely, he's a power forward on the second line. He would certainly, certainly help. Um, so there's that. Um, I, as far as Kovalchuk, I I think he's gonna. I, you want to know who? I, I think he's gonna end up with the Rangers. Stop! No, 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 no. I do. I think. No. I think. I think he is gonna end up with the Rangers. Send now, him out to to uh, Vegas if we can't have him no Eastern Conference team can <laughs> um, I really think that that's where he wants to kind of be in that market um, and I think that that's probably a, a place that that he will end up because I think the Rangers think they can turn it around really quick I don't think that they feel like they're in this massive rebuild um, so I think it could happen um, but but you know what it could he could he could be somebody you would consider um, I just think that the Rangers will give him more money and more term than the Flyers would be willing to, and that's and that's why I don't think he ends up here. But I don't disagree. I don't disagree that he would be a a nice fit. Um, you know, because you, when you're a young team, you could use an accomplished veteran 
uh, to come in and, and make things better. And and I think that Kovalchuk could kind of fit that bill a little bit. Now he's he does have his moments where he gets kind of lackadaisical, laissez-faire kind of attitude and, and doesn't really play at 100%, but he is a really, really elite scorer and elite talent. So, like, I think that... Um, uh, it kind of feels like a Yager move, doesn't it? It feels like when yeah. they went out and got Yager, you're getting a a uh, an experienced wing who could come in and, you know, through playmaking, through being a, you know, a, a guy who can put the puck in the net... You take some pressure off of these other guys. I mean, I, when I'm thinking about Nolan Patrick's development, that's that's one of the, the main things that I'm looking forward to in the next year. But I want to make sure that he's got legitimate wingers. You know, like it doesn't do him any kind of a service to put him, you know, on a line that's got, uh, you know, if, if you're going to move Philpil out, if you're going to move Laterra out. Like, I'm still not sh- so sure that the Flyers are going to buy out Yori Laterra. I mean, they certainly should. He doesn't belong on an NHL roster. But... You know, it's like I said before, I, I I think at least for his development, this is kind of like the, the argument that I made when the uh, the Eagles went out and got Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. It was like, you know, you might not be ready to compete this year. And like, we were very wrong about the Eagles. But like, when you are playing, when you're, when you're putting out one of your top picks, one of your top prospects, and you're expecting, you know, not greatness from them this early, but you want to see development year over year. It doesn't hurt to bring in guys that are a little bit older that have proven themselves in the league because, if nothing else, getting repetitions with competent players will help you when eventually the other younger guys that are on your team are able to move, you know, move up, take on a bigger workload, take on a uh, a more important role if that's a top line role. If eventually Nolan Patrick is your top line center, and you know, say Connecting or Lindblom or one of these guys is his winger in two years or so. When they step up to that top line, you want to make sure that, you know, Patrick's been used to playing with guys who know what to do with the puck. And Kovalchuk's definitely a guy that, that I think could bring that to the table. The question is, you know, there, I guess, were some locker room concerns before with him. And, um, you know, you just don't want to see a, uh, a vet come in and, and kind of disrupt what, you know, it sounds like had been at least a, a, a decent locker room and a, a pretty good mix of solid veterans and, and good young players. Look, I don't. I'm not. Not. I'm not. Not on board with you. I mean, I. I think that. I think that you make a fair, very fair point, and it's something that would would really work well with this team. I just don't see it happening. That's fair. Then just. I mean, just knowing. Just knowing the people that are. Just knowing the people that are involved. I don't. I don't see it. I just. You know. I could be wrong. I, I could certainly be wrong. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think Yager was a guy that they would go after, and they did for one year, and then he won. I know for a fact, Yager told me personally he wanted to come back here, and they didn't bring him back. They didn't make him a priority, and that's why he never came back after the one season. Um, I, I, the Flyers are weird that way with 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 certain players, and I think that, and with certain traditions like God Bless America. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I just can't. <laughs> Can't help myself. Uh, yes, and I just don't. I don't see it, Russ. I I just don't see Kovalchuk being a, a guy that they pursue. Um, I since I brought up God Bless America because I I do that now, and I'm probably going to keep doing it until they stop doing it. Um, there was somebody who tweeted, um, uh, you know, Meek Mill got out of jail today. We're recording Tuesday night, uh, and go. Meek Mill got out, and somebody <laughs> said, "What if the Sixers have Meek perform God Bless America with Kate Smith?" <laughs> And I, I love it. I think, I think it would make all the sense in the world. 
think it would be fantastic. I don't think it happened. So I don't know if the Sixers are going to win now because, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't bring uh, old Kate Smith out. 32 years, guys. Let her rest in peace. It's it's enough. By the way, that makes the Flyers, what, 0-3 this season or 0-4 when bringing out God Bless America? No, they actually won one game with it. It was the last game of the regular season um, against uh, the Rangers. They trotted out Kate Smith, and she won. So. All right, so 0-3 this postseason, 1-4 on the year. Or 1-3 yes. on the year. 1-3 on the year, yes. That's 25% win percentage. That's... Uh, it's yep. very Hackstall-esque. That's nice. <laughs> that's really that's really great, guys. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, this is something that somebody tweeted at me earlier in the week, and um, I think it was because on uh, Sunday night when Kyle and I recorded Crossing Broadcast, I made this argument about, um, you know, the, the Flyers' core, and I said that, you know, so much of it had to do with the fact that they just, they were lacking massively in depth in their bottom six. So this guy, uh, Barry Schaefer, at Barry Schaefer 13 on Twitter, did a nice little graphic here where he kind of did a, he extrapolated the data over 82 games. And it, now this is just for goals. But in terms of third line points per 82 games from the Flyers, it, it was uh, it totaled like just under 82 goals. The Penguins bottom six, they're, uh, let's see, their third line. 129 points. That's insane. Uh, fourth line points, Flyers 45, Penguins 77. That overall, that means that um, that's what a an 80 or 79 goal disparity in top si- or bottom six points between, you know, a Stanley Cup contender in the Penguins and, you know, whatever the Flyers are. Hey, but and they had 98, th- but they had 98 points, Russ. That's the, the Flyers scored thanks, they, they thanks, Dave. 98 I, points. That's you know, and that I think that's the other they thing. They were only that kills two me. points behind the Flyers. I mean the Penguins. That's the thing that, that I think beyond anything kills me about this team and about the way that this it just feels like the team is just so tone deaf, doesn't it? it like does. com, coming out and, and making that comment is the same thing as when the Flyers were on the unbeaten streak, right? And they, they kept tying teams. And Dave would say, Well, you get a point for a uh, for an overtime loss. I keep I said tied, but when they would lose in overtime or they'd lose in a shootout, well, you know, we uh, we did get a point there, and it's like, well, okay, yeah, that's that's great, but like when you're playing against inferior competition, like eventually you need to actually you know win, and that's the thing that great teams do, and that's you know one of the biggest differentiating factors in any sport is a great team is able to go and beat up on bad teams, and a mediocre team you know goes out and could beat one of the best teams in the league, and then the next night lose to a basement dweller, and that's. That's part of the problem, and, and it's the thing that I, I don't understand between Hextall and Hextall is, like, I know that you have to spin things in the public, you know, in your favor, but at some point, like, I think there's there I think there's a venue to do that, and I don't think that, like, the immediate aftermath or in or towards the end of a playoff series that you're clearly outmatched in terms of, of talent and coaching, uh, I, I don't think that bringing up the amount of points your team had on the season, um, you know, really holds any any merit holds any water and ultimately i think that for as as goofy as the fan base can be or different sects within the uh fan base can be i think a lot of people see through that and regardless of you know what your thoughts are on this core and you know what the the best direction is for the team going forward i think it's it's fair to say that like these people don't like to be sold this this bill of cheap goods and that's kind of what that feels like it's just it's statistics that are empty statistics yeah and that's that's the thing i just don't get 
Like yeah, why? I think I, I think that we're a different generation of, of Flyer fan. There used to be a generation of Flyer fans that just accepted anything the team said, right? Um, and I think now we're in a generation that doesn't necessarily buy into that, you know? And the Flyers are tried and true with their approach. And like you said, yeah, you have to try and make, you know, make everything sound rosy as best as you can. But, I, you know, I think that there are some mitigating factors here that, that the Flyers need to realize that what they're doing is just is just not right. There are fans who just they don't they think the team's boring. They don't like the style that the team plays anymore. It's not it's not what it used to be, and that's not necessarily a, a bad thing, hockey wise. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I I miss old style hockey, but at the same time, I understand that there's not a place for it in today's game. Okay, um, so I'm not suggesting that they need to go back to that just so they can get better TV ratings. It's not going to be successful. Okay, the idea is to put successful a successful product on the ice. Um, but at the same time, if you're not getting, if you're not being entertained, and you don't like the style that the team plays, and you you think they're kind of boring, and they are just mediocre, they're barely making the playoffs, or they just missed the playoffs as they have in each of the last four years um, since Hextall took over as as general manager, then maybe that there's something to that. Maybe that's why people aren't coming. Now, I look, I, I'm doing I, doing an interview. Um, with Sean Tilter, um, who is the Flyers uh, chief operating officer, um, to talk about this. And I'm going to have a story on the website so people can just stay tuned. And maybe, depending on when you're listening to this, it might already be published. It might already be up on the website. Um, but the he, So I'm going to give him an opportunity to, to try and explain it to me. And I think some of the things that are that he's going to say are, are fair. I mean, there are more people streaming games now and I, I the TV ratings are not going to be the same right because we have more people streaming them um, and and I also think that um, you might find a situation where um, where uh, team uh, people are uh, cord cutters who have or are casual fans and so maybe they're not so worried about finding how to watch games on their you know through their way through their whatever setup they have, you know, I mean, they're not looking for it as, as frequently. Um, so it's not, it's not as in your face and readily available. So some of that I think will translate and I understand that, right? Uh, hopefully Sean will, uh, will be able to give us some uh, good answers to that. And, uh, you guys can read all about it, uh, on crossing broad. My, my only guess right now is I think there was such a level of apathy that that's set in among the fan base this season. And I, I think a lot of people have, have checked out on Hackstall um, and, and the style of play. And, you know, anybody who watched this team, you know, we, how many times did we have to say this year that, like, as long as guys like Weiss and, and Laterra, even Philpola to a, a smaller extent, although Philpola, I think, you know, stepped up pretty well in, in, uh, in his run as the top-line center at the end of the series, um, you know, in, in guys like Brandon Manning, like these are guys that, you know, on any other team probably don't make the roster or at, at best are like fourth line or bottom pair defensemen, like maybe. Um, it, it just felt like a year where once again, you know, look at Kyle, for example. Kyle has always watched the Flyers and barely watched them this year. And why? Like they don't play an exciting brand of hockey. They, you know, we've talked about this a bunch. They're a mediocre team. You know, take out 
you know, call overtime losses what they are, and they are losses. And this team was about 500. And, you know, we know that the the talent disparity between them and the Penguins was massive, and it was going to be massive with a lot of teams that they could have potentially been matched up against. But, like, this, I think, kind of comes back to, you know, the argument about what to do with this core and what the best path for the future is. Because, you know, if, if you go out tomorrow and, uh, you know, obviously tomorrow's uh, a little bit hyperbolic here, but, like, if you go out this off season and you trade away this core and you decide to kick that can down the road two years, you're going to lose out on some fans. Now, if that means that part of this is a rebranding around like Nolan Patrick and like you're really handing the keys over to him and to Provorov and these and these other young guys, you know, there might be some fans who decide to go down to the center and they, uh, you know, decide to go all in almost process style on this. And, and you say, you know what, like we know that tanking doesn't necessarily work in hockey, but if you're going to bottom out and you're going to get better picks, like the city of Philadelphia has shown that they're willing to deal with that. Now, the problem is that I I think that the rabid hockey fan base versus the rabid basketball fan base is just such a, a polar opposite dynamic that I, I do think that there would be more hatred going into uh, into the Flyers tearing it down to nothing. Uh, the, the Sixers, I think, had been mired in 10 plus years of mediocrity where, you know, you were either going to go down and, and spend a, a nice day as a family for a pr- somewhat affordable ticket to go see a middling franchise with little to no star power. But but you like basketball, so you would go down to watch that. I, I think that, you know, it would be kind of a, a, a hard sell. You know, we said this last show, but like Flyers tickets are still expensive, you know, compared to the other teams in town, not including the Eagles, but they only play eight home games. So um, it's, it's just kind of hard. Like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around going out to spend money on a team if they do tear it down it's almost equally as as difficult for me to rationalize going out to spend money to see the current core that they have right now if they don't add another star player you know like if if i'm going to go out a lot of times you know i hate to say it but like there are plenty of games where where fans want to go out and watch their team go up against the best of the best but you only want to go out to see the best of the best if you think your team has a shot and, you know, if you line this Flyers team up against the best in the league, uh, I think we're probably going to say nine out of ten nights they would lose this year. And so un- unless they make a massive free agent splash, I don't know what really they can do differently next year. Carter Hart's not coming next year. You're still going to have to do patchwork goalies unless can Sandstrom come up next year. Is he ready? Is he somebody no. who can who can bridge the gap? Like it just it uh, feels like we're gonna uh, we're gonna have the same narratives going. They're gonna keep the coach. The GM's gonna be the same, and it feels like it's just gonna be another year of the wheel spinning and us kind of like you know spinning our 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 tires in place. I'll give you one other option that they can do in goaltending. I love options, um, and it's it's kind of crazy, but so the Capitals. Um. They basically have two goalies right now. Braden Holtby, who didn't have as great a year this year, but he's making a heck of a lot of money. It's $6.1 million a year, right? And Philip Grubauer, who's only making one point five, but has played really well for them all season long and even in the playoffs, right? So Grubauer is an, an, a real interesting guy. He's a restricted free agent, Um he had a regular season 2.35 goals against 923 save percentage 35 games um maybe he's a guy that you go after on a on sign an offer sheet to knowing that the capitals probably won't match an offer sheet because 
they're paying so much money for their starting goalie already. So maybe here's a guy that you can go get, you know, pay him twice what he's getting made, twice what he's making now. I think this would have to come in conjunction with moving one of the other guys. I think Neuver might have some appeal to other teams in the league. So maybe you trade Neuver and you do this, and now you got a guy like Grubauer who you can say, okay, he's a bridge kind of player. Well, Brian Elliott is a backup goalie, and Elliott, you know, as long as you don't over, you know, you don't kill him like Haxtell did this year, he can he's serviceable when healthy, and maybe that's how you go about it. Maybe that's how you go into next season and say, here's an opportunity, here's an option that can be a little bit more interesting. And give that a shot, but you're right; they don't have the goalie ready for next year. They don't have; they have a lot of things missing. This is why I keep saying that. To me, Hextall's process has been flawed. It's almost been like a seven-year plan, and you really can't do that. You really can't go seven years just because that's how long it took in Los Angeles. Because that's what it did; it took them seven years to win a Stanley Cup in Los Angeles. Um, just because that's how long it took there. And you're trying to follow the same formula that you used with the Kings to make it work here. Doesn't mean you can do that now. I mean, it worked then, but it's di- it's a different era now. It's a different game. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I just don't see how it works. I don't see how if you if you were still, you know, they're not if they're not a Stanley Cup contender next year. Maybe two years from now they are starting to become one. Three years then that's when they really are. But by that point Giroux is turning 34. Like where what are the odds at that point? I think that you've really, he mistimed this. And you gotta go, and the only way to resolve it is to kind of go back to the old style a little bit. I'm not saying you have to go out and just buy everybody. But you now have to get into the point where you have to merge the the notion of building your team through a draft with the idea of now we're going to go sign players who are going to help us take that giant next step. And it has to happen this summer. And it could. I mean, Hextall might go out there and do like five, six different things this summer, and we're all of a sudden, Russ, when we have Snow the Goalie podcast episode 18, um, we're going to sit there and be like, wow, what a great job Ron Hextall's done leading leading into, you know, into the summer, right? We, we always, knew that I, always knew that Hexy would uh, lead this uh, organization yeah. into the future the best way that he could, you know? Maybe. Maybe that's maybe this is part of the plan. But if not, if he's going to try and, you know, make just little tweaks and come back with what he had, man, it's not going to be good for the team. Nobody's. It's not going to be good for the team. It's not going to be good for the fans. It's not going to be good for, for any. I mean, we're going to suffer to, we're all going to suffer because it's just not this team's not you can't take small steps small steps small steps small steps to a stanley cup at some point you have to make the leap at some point you have to say okay now's the time for us to really push ourselves into the conversation and i'm i'm not convinced that he thinks this is the year he might he might and that would be great but i still think he thinks it's next year i really do i think a year from now is when he's going to sit there and say, "Okay, now's the time." I, I just something about it makes me think that, and I, I don't know why. I don't have any intel. That's you know that that's just a gut feeling of mine, and I just for some reason don't think it happens till next year. Well, that would certainly be a good way to uh, be lost in the pack. Um, you know, I, I will say this as a cross sport comparison. You know. It feels like the Flyers at some point are going to have to kind of spend their way back into relevancy, especially because they are. 
They are put up right against the Sixers the entirety of their season, and the Sixers are a soaring team. The last thing you want to do is become, you know, even more of an afterthought in the city. And, you know, if, if all Hextall ends up doing are minor tweaks, I think that's that's kind of where you're going. You know, the, the comparison I have here is the Philadelphia Union or a soccer team in Philadelphia that no one seems to know about. And part of that is because they didn't spend when they had an opportunity to become relevant. And like when the Phillies were absolute garbage, when the Sixers and the Flyers weren't playing deep into the spring and, you know, even into the early summer, the Union had the ability, they had the the perfect setup to be a team that could have surged, that could have thrown some money uh, into their team and, and could have, you know, uh, played into the, like deep into the playoffs and and you know captured casual fans and and new fans to the sport alike and instead they they continued to make you know what they considered gradual improvements they they did penny pinching moves because their owner doesn't have a lot of money and pretty soon the Phillies you know within what three years or so managed to turn the entire program around they're back to being the talk of the town in the summer we can. We can kind of project forward and know that the Phillies are going to be must-watch baseball all summer. And at the same time, the Sixers are playing deep in, are going to play deep into the playoffs. The Flyers managed to make the playoffs and extend a series that nobody really gave them much of a shot to get past, you know, five games. In fairness, we said six. But, you know, that team, you know, they blew their opportunity. And I worry for the Flyers that, you know, in a sport that clearly isn't growing quite like uh, some of its contemporaries and especially... You know, I mean, it's not baseball. Baseball is, you know, I know this will kill you to to uh, have to admit, but like baseball has been dying off. And and a big part of that is because the average age of a baseball fan is what, 20 or 25 years older on average than like a basketball fan. Uh, soccer is continuing to grow uh, in terms of like TV deals, TV revenue, um, you know, just overall fans to the sport younger fans kind of starting to identify with specific players the access to the international game like that sport continues to grow basketball has become an international game football is football it won't go away you know hockey's kind of in a weird spot and the flyers you know if you're looking at tv ratings and unless you're going to try to sell this as it was all because of streaming which i think would be uh, a poor way to go about this you're kind of looking at at a spot where like you are going to firmly entrench yourself as the fourth team in the city i mean i think you're there already but like you had an opportunity or you can could possibly have an opportunity next year to at least you, you won't be at the same level that the sixers are but you could at least make it interesting you can at least pick up the casual fan who says oh this team is actually good this team's actually going to make the playoffs yeah i could get behind this i can get behind a playoff run but if, if we're looking at a season, you know, that you finish up, like, yeah, you had 98 points. But if you go into another season with a team that, you know, ends up being mediocre when a casual fan looks at the standings and says, wow, they really only won about half their games. Like, what are, are they going to be this good? And like, even a casual fan knows Pittsburgh's really good. And you watch one game and you see the the talent disparity that exists on the, in that game or in any other game that you, you watch in any other series in this league. You start to realize that, like, for the casual fan, it's not worth watching. And for for a fan who, you know, might have cared about the Flyers and the Sixers at the same time, there's not a, a lot of reason for those people to invest their time and money into the team right now. So the front office has to figure it out. I think and you're it's right. Gonna be, it's going to be tough. It's not just, the, it's not just the, the front office of the team as far as, um, you know, Ron Hextall and, 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 uh, and, and even the president, Paul Holmgren. I think it goes even beyond them. I think it goes beyond the COO, Sean Tilger. I think it goes all the way to Dave Scott, um, who is kind of the new Ed Snyder, although he doesn't 
doesn't care like Ed Snyder cared. And that's to me that to me is part of the issue here. I think a lot of it is the oversight is more all they worry about is what the bottom line is, not necessarily what about you know what's the product that we're putting out there. All they care about is are we making money? Okay, great. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. Awesome job. I mean that's that's kind of how they look at it. It's become too corporate of a of an organization. You know, for all of his faults, the reason Snyder was such a great owner was because he tried to win every year. And you can't sit here. You can sit here and say, "Oh, well, it's not the same in a salary cap world. Sometimes you got to get bad to get good." I get it, right? But that doesn't that doesn't preclude you from saying, "Okay, you know, what are we doing here, guys? You know, we need to ramp this up." Yeah, we can't. We can be patient only so long, and then things have to change. I think that you made a good point about the Sixers because I, I think that's also going to be part of this. I think that they're on nights when the Flyers and Sixers were on at the same time this season. I think the Sixers blew them away, right? In on, in TV, and I think that's also another reason why the TV ratings probably dropped. And it's you know the Sixers are certainly ahead of the of the Flyers now as far as popularity in this city. And that's because, you know, they have generational talents on the team and, and they're actually going to, you know, make a real push for a championship soon, maybe as soon as this year. Um, but keep in mind that up until this point, uh, maybe in the last year, maybe even in the last year or so, even though the Sixers were bad last year, maybe it started the worm turned last year, um, the Flyers were always ahead of the Sixers as far as interest, always. It wasn't even close. TV ratings were never close. Um, ticket sales were never close. As, as great a basketball town as Philadelphia is, hockey always outsold it. The, the Flyers were always the third team in the city. And there were times when the Phillies sucked that the Flyers were the number two team behind the Eagles. I mean, it, 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 hockey in this area has always been bigger than any almost any other U.S. city, maybe even any other U.S. city, until now. And that's what's disappointing. That's what's disappointing, and it's it's been since the death of Ed Snyder, and and I think that that's and I think this really comes down to who's running the operation, and I don't mean again. Again, I think Sean does a great job. I think he's an excellent COO. I think it's above him that the problem lies. I really do, and I think that's they need someone who's looking over this team, who cares about this team, who wants to see it win who will do anything in their power. They, they need a Middleton. They need a John Middleton to kind of come in here and, and kind of take over the team. Maybe they just regard. need John Middleton. Maybe maybe they just get him to buy the team. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I was always under the assumption I had been back when I worked there. I kind of was, was told that there was a re- very real possibility that Comcast would sell the Flyers once Ed Snyder died. Um. I mean, that was not talked about a lot publicly because, I mean, who wants to wish the, you know, the death of the owner, right? Um, but it was always an underlying conversation. And I'm actually really surprised that we're this far into it now and they're still plugging away. I mean, maybe they are. Maybe they're, maybe they're, that's the next step. I mean, really, you, you got it. Maybe that you need to sell the team to an, to an owner. I just think that there's, I don't, I don't know. I, Cuban? I just think that there, can you get Mark Cuban here? Can you imagine Mark Cuban? I know, right? There's uh. just so there's just the, the problem is, Russ, is that there's just so much value in owning the franchise and owning the building at the same time. It just it's just huge. It's it's massive. 
I mean, so there's it just really, really works. They could they have so many business interests tied to this organization, even outside of Philadelphia. I'm you know with you know with running the the arena that Lehigh Valley plays at, with running the arena that the ECHL team is going to be playing at in in Portland, Maine, and having Danny Briere run that team up there um, as an expansion team next year. So I mean, there's all kinds of connections that are just so tied in. And I think that they look at it and say, well, as long as we, as long as the bottom line is still good, then we have so many other things that are making money off of this that we can just keep doing what we're doing and, and we'll be a successful business. And I don't think that, that that's a benefit to the fan. I really don't. I think, it's a, I think it's a shame. I mean, that's what it's become. To me, the Flyers were, when I was, when I was growing up, the Flyers were number two in this city because the Phillies were so bad. And the Sixers were just okay or or bad. The Flyers were two, and the Phillies got good. Okay, the Flyers fell to three, but they were still ahead of the Sixers. Now they're easily four, and, and I don't see them coming back anytime soon from four. Yeah, there's no way. Because of how good the there's, there's how good the Sixers. There is are. no chance. Right, it's just not, and, and that's a shame because that they this is what it's become because the because of the business side of things, not necessarily the hockey side of things. Although the hockey side of things is. Is it doesn't have the oversight, and that's so it kind of loops back in. It's a, it's a vicious circle. So uh, speaking of things that are vicious, penguins are not inherently vicious, but uh, apparently, <laughs> if if you write for the Flyers and you get into a Twitter beef with the Pittsburgh Penguins, your name is Anthony Sanfilippo. I uh, so I'm I'm like I'm scrolling through this now. So Lin Manuel Miranda, who wrote uh, and directed and all that stuff. Hamilton puts up yeah. a picture. Somebody asks if it's a playoff beard. He says, uh, or is it a hockey playoff beard? He says, what's a hockey? The Penguins throw out. Well, you, you explain. You understand this so, better than I do. Yeah, okay. So so the Penguins then respond, because um, it was a Penguins fan, I think, that, that asked him if it was a playoff beard. Yeah, because the person who asked said, are, 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 you, are you Team Penguins too? Hashtag let's go Pens. And when he re- replies, "What's a hockey?" The Penguins decide, "Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna show you how savvy we are, and we're gonna start using lyrics Sing it. from from sing Hamilton." It. Come on, um, <laughs> come on! And so they so they put out. I can't sing it because they screw up the lyrics. No, but try. So, all right, well, so it's we are not throwing away our shot. We are not throwing away our shot. And this is where they screw it up. Hey, yo, we're just like our country. Now, the line is, we're young, scrappy, and hungry. They wrote, we're young, fast, and hungry. Ugh, now, violation. That's a total violation. Now, I see what they were going for later on after they put the ellipsis. We are the P-E-N-G-U-I-N-S. We are meant to three-leave. Um, because the line from the, from the song is, um, I am the A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R, Alexander. You know, we were meant, meant, the Alexander I was meant to be. Right or whatever the line is, right? So he's spelling out his name, and then the Penguins are are doing a little play on that. But they screwed up the initial the initial song with the lyrics, which they've copied to Lin Manuel Miranda. So now that's to me that's pretty embarrassing. So I decided that I was going to chime in, replying to the Penguins and Lin Manuel, and said, "Guys, it's scrappy, not fast. You know, it's, it's such a great adjective." Come for on, guys. Too. How do you how do you not know this? Come on, guys. <laughs> It's scrappy. And then, because I thought it would, I would just troll them a little bit, 
I said, I'm not sure Lin-Manuel will be rooting for you, though. After all, he wrote a song in the same musical where the chorus goes, it must be nice to have Washington on your side. And I said, write capitals? And I tugged the capitals in it. First of all, let me before I get to what the Penguins replied, the capitals never got involved. Boo! So their 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 social media person is is a is terrible. I mean, how do you not how do you not get into this? Like, this is good. This is good stuff. And they just completely sat it out. They just they ignored it. Completely sat it out. Um, so I at least give the Penguins social media person credit for engaging me with this stuff, right? All right, here. Let me let me read the Penguins response to you. <laughs> yeah, the song doesn't spell out penguins either. Dot dot dot. We adjusted. Right. 145 people liked that. Five retweets. So, you know, all the Pittsburgh people were, like, supporting it. They can't read, Anthony. They just saw a right. bunch of hearts, and they thought, oh, so, oh heart. <laughs> so I say... Yins. Meh. The original is better. Sorry. I gotta, quote, say no to this, because there's another song in Hamilton called Say No to This. So here I am just continually quoting Hamilton songs and lyrics. And then, of course, they replied back to me. And they said, Fair enough. We never really expected a Flyers writer would be in our corner anyway. Dot, dot, <laughs> dot. They really like the ellipsis. <laughs> right. Okay. So then I see this. I'm like, okay. Now my Twitter's like blowing up with Penguins fans who are retweeting them. Like, oh, yeah, you go get them. You go get that Flyers beat writer. Yeah, this is awesome. Blah, 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 blah. So, of course, I have to do, I have to do the mic drop, right? So there's a song where uh, towards the end of Hamilton, your knowledge of of Hamilton is is slightly alarming to me. But go ahead. <laughs> so there's like your knowledge of Goon that <laughs> you could just quote this mu- this movie at any time. <laughs> Don't worry, Anthony. It's official. <laughs> okay. So got two rules. Don't touch my Percocets. And do you have any Percocets, man? <laughs> Has nothing to do with hockey. Yeah, there you go. I started watching Goon 2 the other day. I still don't have all, I don't have it memorized yet. I'll get there. That's my summer homework. There you go. Um, so anyway, there's a song at the end of Hamilton where uh, Hamilton and Aaron Burr are writing letters back to each other, back and forth to each other. And they sign it off with, um, I guess, the, the way that they used to you sign names. Instead of signing your full name, you would be your first initial and then the first few letters of your last name. Of course, Burr was so short, so his was A. Burr, but Hamilton's was A. Ham, H A M. That's how oh, he used to sign his letters. Now it makes sense. Okay. Okay. So I replied, Are you kidding? You guys winning made my schedule a lot easier. No complaints here. Now it's up to you to quote, Stay Alive, which is another song from. Ah, 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 stay <laughs> not, alive. not that one. Not, not that one. It's, it's a different song. Um, from. And this is how he used to sign it. Your obedient servant. And I signed it A. San, which I thought was really clever. I didn't understand the last part. I was like, I thought this was kind of like when a president, you know, (laughs) actually like puts out an endorsed tweet and they they put like dash bill (laughs) dash W. Okay. So, you know how many people got it from those Penguins fans? I got eight likes on that one. Eight. You're up to 13 now. Oh, is it up to 13? It's up to okay. 13, Anthony. There's a chance uh, it'll go viral. I, I okay. think uh, Thir- people 13. People from Snow the Goalie are certainly going to go in and they're going to throw in some more favorites as well. We so don't want thir- to leave you out there hanging. 13 people in Pittsburgh 
favorited it because they got it. They understood it. They saw you that I was did get a seven. reply. Did you see you got a reply? It did get a reply. What, sassy penguins? No, no, no. This, uh, this Mary S. Crooks lady. She said, yeah, quote, but history has its eyes on dot, 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 the pens. Yeah, that was Three good. That, that's good. Hashtag history, history, leave. history has its eyes on you is another song from that from the musical. Um, I'm surprised. By the way, Russ, I'm surprised you haven't like dived into uh, to to Hamilton. It's really cool. I mean, Snow it's the really... goalie. Come for the, come for the uh, Flyers post mortem. Stay for the Broadway <laughs> Wars. That's going in the no, show but... notes. By the way, Broadway Wars. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And they're gonna think we're fighting about the Rangers, right? Is that, that's what they're gonna think about. Um, who but yeah, the, so who the, pe- the Rangers. I know, right? The, but the Penguins fans are completely uncultured. That's what I'm about to say. That's that's my takeaway from this. They're completely uncultured. That they don't, they can't. As many people know Hamilton, and I run into people all the time, all believe the time that, that know Hamilton, that can sing songs from Hamilton. I was stunned. Like one time, I was in in an Uber, and people were singing it. Like I was like, oh wow, you know Hamilton? Yeah, yeah, great. And everybody knows it. Okay, it's it's that kind of a seminal musical it, it crosses it crosses a lot of genres okay i mean it's a it's a musical based on rap all right i mean really i mean that's what it is so um it, it it's good i mean it, it and i think that if you take the time to to sit down and listen to it you might say to say you know what this is actually some good stuff anthony put me onto something good here oh my gosh. <clears throat> i hope i hope it's going to also be our lead-in music for the for this uh Podcast I guess well, I'm right? gonna have to now, right? I mean, somebody's gonna probably report us, and we'll have to take the whole episode down. What song <laughs> do you want to be the intro? What do you want to do the or one? The outro? They, do you I want them know. to? Do you want them to do the one that they screwed up? That would be um, uh, my shot. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is the time. I think. I think right about now is is when we'll do an outro Hamilton song. I don't want to lead with that, Anthony. People will be really confused. Uh, yeah. But, okay. So but as the outro, outro, I think we're I think we're in good shape. So um, yeah, my shot probably. <laughs> It's probably a probably a good time to uh, to wrap it. Uh, real quick, we had a uh, another iTunes five star review. We had a one star review, which is very what? hurtful. Yeah, somebody left a one star. This happens. It happens when uh, when I'm uh, on a podcast, uh, and so I'm going to extend a segment from Crossing Broadcast uh, called the One Star Reviewer Review, where I take a look at the person's one star review and I look at their history of reviewing things on the Apple. Uh, the Apple iTunes store. So this guy, uh, he, he gives you a compliment. Anthony runs this, brings a unique perspective on the Flyers, uh, good, strong insights, and mentions that I tell cringeworthy jokes, which is just offensive, uh, and, and didn't like the fact that I picked playoff teams based on their logos and said that, uh, you know, I'm treating the audience like they're 10 years old. That's just... Well, I mean, maybe I am. Um, but he goes, hey, Russell, would a saber-toothed tiger beat an avalanche? Okay, so that's great. So I'm going to look. This guy's name is uh, Steve ZXC. Let's go into his reviews. Oh, he left a one-star review on Crossing Broadcast last summer. Uh, oh, there's a... Oh, this is good. He left a review on Living Social, Deals, and More. One star, disappointed. Quote, this app blows buggy and terrible deals exclamation point i think it's a trump burner account here's a five-star review anthony we did get we did get another one so let's uh let's review this one from swat like Embiid. five stars love the show except one thing they said i really enjoy having an outlet on crossing broad to get a flyers fix anthony provides good commentary and russ 
uh, gives a level-headed outside approach. The only issue here I have is the constant passive-aggressive jabs at what is obviously, and they listed another, I, I'm assuming a Flyers podcast. I'm not sure. It, it sounds like the name of <laughs> what could be, but we're the only Flyers podcast, so clearly that's not, that's, I, I don't know what that is, but uh, said that there's no need to take them down to make, a, make this person like their show. I don't, I don't know. Anthony, do we really attack anybody else's show? I, I would say probably not all that much. Uh, no, you know. we, I don't. Th- I don't think we ever really attack them. To be honest with you, um, even though they're trying to celebrate their, they're approaching their one millionth listener or something in twelve years that they've been around, however long they've been around. So, um, and they they put little passive aggressive comments about us out on Twitter, but that's okay. Did they? Oh, they always do. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Hashtag relevance now. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's yes. no, good. It's good. I, I, I can it's see good. them shaking in their boots a little bit. It's all right. I, I, it's all right. Uh, but we don't need to. No, we don't need to take them down because there's no need. There's no by, need. We all love the Flyers. We do. It's good stuff. It's it's okay. Anybody can talk about the Flyers. Just if you want the if you want a professional one, you come here. That's all. Boop, 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 boop. Rap battle. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> It's time. All right. Well, um, I guess here's here's what we'll say to the people. So the plan going forward since the flyer season is over is we're going to still continue to put out a weekly a weekly episode throughout the summer. And the format and such, uh, it'll all depend. But Anthony, because he is the best in the business, uh, is typically able to get uh, people from the organization to uh, to do sit downs for the site. And the idea I'm I'm assuming as we kind of project forward is we might be able to snag a few people from the organization, if it's players, if it's coaches, if it's front office people, for you know maybe an interview or two as we're going through the summer, and and those are things to kind of keep an eye well, out on. And you know we'll be covering off season topics. Of course, free agency will be big. The draft, like there are going to be things that we're going to want to talk about. And and I think it's probably fair to say that we'll be kind of covering the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, as they continue to unfold. And you know maybe we kind of take a look at where some of these other teams are and compare them to where our Flyers currently are. So. Uh, yeah, we are not going and, away. We're not going on a hiatus. This will still be going out every week. And one thing about that, Russ, is that um, the real only, to be honest with you, the really only downtime in an NHL season is like August. It's really the only downtime. I mean, every there's a lot that happens between now and you know, mid July. Um, so we'll have a lot to talk about. One thing I guess we that I should point out. Um, even though the, the Bruins Maple Leafs are going to game seven, which by the way, as we predicted it would, um, Mm -hmm. that's, (laughs) uh, every other series is complete, uh, to this point, uh, five and I'm five and two. I'm not sure exactly what you are. I'm five and two lost on Columbus and the Kings. Um, I just want to throw out, yeah, I just want to throw out real fast since, because by the time we come back next week, the, the next series is will have started. So I want to at least give my thoughts real fast or my picks real fast without giving into uh, diving into details um but uh out west I'll, I'll take the vegas knights to to beat san jose in uh six games um i think that the predators jet series will be a really good series but i think the predators are the better team i'll take the preds uh in six in that one um in the east uh penguins capitals i'm gonna go off the chart here and i'm gonna take the caps i think that the caps finally figure it out I think they they've lost so many times to the Penguins. I think this is finally the year the Penguins are a vulnerable team. 
Um, you saw that a couple times against the Flyers. Capitals far better team than the Flyers. I'll take the Caps in that series. Uh, I think it will go. I think it goes seven, but I'll take the Caps to win Game Seven at home against the Penguins. And then um, you got the Bruins Maple Leafs. Let me. I'm going to give you two different picks based off of whatever happens in that Game Seven against Tampa. If it's Boston Tampa, I'm taking Boston. I think Boston matches up better with Tampa. I think it's a great series. I think it's a long series. Uh, I think it's seven games. If it, but I think Boston would win that series against Tampa. If Toronto wins and Toronto plays Tampa, um, I, I'm going to take Tampa in that series, and I would take that. I'll take Tampa in in six. Um, I just think that I just I just don't like Toronto's defense and goaltending and i think the tampa scores so so much i think boston can play against them but i don't necessarily think toronto can can do it for uh, do it four times stop them four times so those are my four picks for round two i'm just looking at the uh, bracket challenge that we did and do you know who's leading right now no i don't me <laughs> is that incredible <laughs> how did this happen is everybody know. this bad at picking things i've got Maybe 76 that, points the one star review, man. <laughs> yeah, you know what? How about that guy? Uh, so I, I had Nashville, I had Winnipeg, yeah, I had Vegas, I had San yeah. Jose, yeah, four for four. I had Pittsburgh, five, Washington, six, Toronto. Okay, that's still to be the time. And Sorry. Tampa. So you're seven for seven so far. I am. That's better than me. Isn't that crazy? That's great. Good for you. As uh, as Louis Van Gaal once said, in what for world we live. I don't know so how what, to feel about this. This is so. Uh, what, do you, what, what do you have for the second round? Second round, I've got, uh, I have Nashville beating Winnipeg. I've got Vegas taking down San Jose. Um, Toronto beating Tampa. That's where this whole thing can fall apart. And I've got Pittsburgh beating Washington. So I've got conference finals of Nashville versus Vegas and Toronto versus Pittsburgh. If I end up being right, like if I nail the playoffs the whole way through, I didn't really go out on many limbs. I think Toronto was the one that I went the most out on the limb for. Yeah. If if I end up winning this whole thing and I go undefeated, I think I might just be done. I think I might have to quit. I might Retire? have to stop watching the sport. I think I might have to. I mean, it's the only time I've ever done a bracket challenge. Of course, we're not doing it for money. Uh, the one time that I'm actually good at a bracket, you know, I'm not going to benefit from anything other than saying I beat 15 other people in a uh, podcast hockey uh, playoff bracket for the NHL. So I'll make sure to have that on my on my headstone someday. There you go. There you go. I'll, you know, hey, I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you all the plaudits in the world. You can become the expert, and I'll just we could switch roles. I'll just host the show, and you could give all the expert opinions. Oh yeah, that'll that'll totally work. That'll be uh, that'll be great. That <laughs> will be fantastic. People would be tuning in for that. Yes, absolutely. All right, Anthony. Well, um, I guess uh, this is the time to go, Anthony. Any any wise words for the people as we head oh, out? We here? didn't we didn't do wise words last week, so I thought this was like good, done. And now, all oh, of a I'm you sorry. Wanna... Do, well, here, do you <sighs> have do you have anything you want to say to the people? God bless America. Certainly is is I'm not doing it again. I've done it two episodes in a row where we've either started or ended with God bless America. So I feel like uh, I, don't, I don't know. Hit me with a Hamilton line. Finish with a Hamilton line. Yeah. Oh uh, man, there's so many. Um, I mean, you're going to make me now look at the actual album for the right song now? title. I'm Are serious. serious? Right now. I'm, I'm pulling it up on my on my phone, on my phone to see which this one is I can. Why we can't have nice things. <laughs> I'm trying to decide which one to go with. I, it's, there's just so many. Uh, here we go. Where's H here? I've Hamilton. got it. 
Oh, you got one? Go ahead. Not Hamilton. I've got a Goon 2 quote. Goon, the oh, last of the enforcers. Man. Xavier Laflem. And this is, this is good for the, uh, the Flyers. I learned the difference between a moment and a career is evolution. Evolution. You will slow down. You will get old. Your body will fail you. So you evolve. You change your game. You do what you need to do with the time you got. If not, you go extinct. Evolve or go extinct. Something that ultimately this Flyers front office and coaching staff are going to have to face. Are they going to evolve? Are they going to become a team that can compete with the best of the best in the game? Or are they going to go extinct? All right, I'll give you a Hamilton lyric. How about that? How about we finish with the Hamilton lyric? This is um, uh, this is the, uh, King George singing, um, complaining. Of you better the, sing. Um, so King King George is complaining that uh, the Americans are getting a little uppity. You know that they want to um, you know have their own independence. Um, and so King George sings, uh, <clears throat> "You'll be back." Like before, I will fight the fight and win the war for your love, for your praise, and I'll love you till my dying days. When you're gone, I'll go mad, so don't throw away this thing we had, cause when push comes to shove, I will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. Wow. <laughs> And on that, on that note, I almost, <laughs> you said something that made me think of the Daniel Tiger theme song. I'm not going to sing it because uh, I don't want to make people even more uncomfortable than they are after listening to goon quotes. Because uh, I can't and sing Hamilton. and you're making me sing, right? So I love the singing. Better. I thought the singing was great. <laughs> yeah. This anyway. has been an episode of Revelations. Uh, and just like in the book of Revelations, Ron Hextall is going to uh, to rise from the ashes and put this team together, and he's going to go get me Ilya Kovalchuk, and it's going to be great. They are going to make the Flyers great again. Talk to oh you boy. all next week. Dear Alexander, I am slow to anger, but I toe the line as I reckon with the... Uh-